This is Lisa Louise Cook coming to you from my Genealogy Gems office here in Dallas, Texas. One of my favorite quotes about life comes from football coach Lou Holtz, who said, Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. For me, learning more about my family history and writing about it has helped me respond in a much more positive way to the challenges that I experienced in my own family growing up. Through understanding your family and your parents' families and your grandparents' families, you can really grow in empathy and even start to feel compassion for those that you may have struggled with in your own family. Welcome to another episode of Right of Your Life, where life happens and life storytelling transforms it. Our show is brought to you by lifestorytelling.com. And guess what? You don't have to be a writer to write your life stories. Lifestorytelling.com will teach you how. If you've been through hell and lived to tell about it, or your family skeletons are poking out of the closet, you'll want to check it out at lifestorytelling.com. Our guest today is Lisa Louise Cook, the owner of Genealogy Gems, a genealogy and family history multimedia company. Lisa is a sought-after genealogy speaker, author of four books, and producer and host of the Genealogy Gems podcast, the number one family history podcast. Her latest book is The Genealogist's Google Toolbox. Lisa, thanks for bringing a family history flavor to our podcast today. Thanks, Stacey. It's great to be here. Tell us a little bit more about Genealogy Gems and how you came to develop Genealogy Gems podcast. Sure. Well, You know, I'm actually an old hat at this because I've been doing it since 2007. And I was doing my own research. I have been since I was a kid. I mean, I think I was the only eight-year-old who was using her allowance to buy death certificates for people. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, has always been a lifelong passion. And I'd say around 2000, I started getting really obsessed. My kids were getting a little older, and I had a little more time. And uh, obviously, all the online resources were becoming more available. And and it was something that you could do from home. So I had gone to my local family history center, and they're all over the country. And I went to the, the local one here, and I was sharing something that I had found, which was just incredible. And they were like, wow, can anybody do this? I said, yeah, absolutely. So They said, well, can we make a photocopy of it and put it up on our bulletin board to share this? And I said, sure. You know, and she said, oh, this is such a genealogy gem. I want to get it up there so people know. And I'm watching her pin it up on this board. And I'm thinking, that's really cool. But only about six people will probably see this in the next month. Right. (laughs) And what I was, what I had really been yearning for was my bulletin board. What was going to be a bulletin board that I could use to, to reach and help a whole lot more people as I'm discovering all these things. It just seems a shame for me to only use these ideas, but maybe that somebody else could benefit. So I'd kind of had my antenna out for that. And then early 2007, my daughters all got together and got me an iPod for my birthday. And so I'm looking at the iPod and and I'm not really into spending money on music and that kind of thing. And they didn't have TV and video on the iPod way back in 2007. Right. So I come across in iTunes, oh, there's podcasts. What's this? Oh, they're free. Even better. So I start going through the search engine of the podcast and realize this is so cool. And it hit me like a thunderbolt. Oh, my gosh. 
that's my bulletin board, right? Because I, I have a background in theater. I, I did a little bit of radio broadcasting in college. So this was right up my alley. So I found a podcast on how to create a podcast. And I have been podcasting consistently ever since and loving every minute of it. It's fun. In addition to being informative, it's really, really fun. And you get to meet fantastic people like yourself. One of the ways that we really encourage life story writing is through sharing family history. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks do that by researching genealogy, putting together family trees and birth certificates, baptism certificates, death certificates. But there's also that rich family heritage and fabulous family stories to share, which make those family trees really meaningful. Mm -hmm. You've said that everyone should invest in learning more about their family history. Why is that? I think it's such a strong tool for developing yourself and the life that you want to have. And I don't mean to make that sound too dramatic, but in so many ways, it's been that for me. And I've seen it in other people. And I think if you don't know where you're coming from, it's really hard to know where you're going. And oftentimes, we get snarled by what has happened in the past. That tends to churn around in our brain. And of course, certainly writing your life story helps you process that. To investigate it, to actually bring it out into the light, shake it out, get the tree, find out who your parents are more in depth before you were around, learn more about their parents and their parents. So many things come to light. I found for myself personally that it demystifies some of that, why did that happen? Why are things that way? And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. It kind of just brings to light that everybody just does the best they can. Right. And they do the best with what they're dealt with. And sometimes they don't do so good. And even though I have people in my own family that I struggle with tremendously, it has almost eliminated animosity or anger or those kinds of things. You just feel empathy right? and you see it for what it is. And then you can make a conscious decision. Do you want to be involved with that person or not? It kind of helps you, I think, regain control to understand your family. And I don't mean that that everybody has some horrible toward past that they're trying to deal with, but I know many listeners probably have things in their past that they struggle with. Right. By the time I was 18, my parents were both getting married for the third time. So as a teenager, I went through so many divorces and so many people coming and going, and it was absolute chaos. There is no way as a kid when you come through something like that, that you aren't scarred by it and, and struggle with it. It's hard enough to be a kid, you know? Right, exactly. It really helped me to take the intensity out of that and to say, I have a whole lot more family than just this core little nuclear family that I grew up in. I actually have all this family that came before. I get to pick from as many of these endless people as I want what the values are that I want to follow, what the path from my life is going to be. And oftentimes we get really stuck in just the nuclear family we grew up in and we don't realize that so many of our passions and our likes and our interests and our tendencies come from generations back. I think it's incredibly empowering to comb through your family tree and learn the stories and you, you look at somebody and you go, oh my gosh, 
there's two or three generations of people who were all musicians. In my family, I'm a Christian, and that's really important to me and my husband and my children. That's how we raised our family. And our faith and our religion is a big part of our life. And yet, we grew up in a very non-religious environment in terms of the current generation of our parents. And to go back and find people who founded churches, wow, you know, that was like, wow, I'm not just the black sheep of the family, I'm a <laughs> person of faith, and I have a particular religion, and other people don't. And then you feel like you're odd man out. Right. But you can look at your history and go, oh my gosh, there's so much more that ever came before us. Right. But I could look back at my family history, and you can bypass those where you don't appreciate or, or want to follow in the footsteps of some, but you can find people in there, these wonderful gems of ancestors who persevered and crossed the country and had 17 kids and uh-huh. whatever it is they did and go, I like that. I could take that on as a role model. We've got so many potential role models in our family. And exploring your family history helps you to um, pick and choose what works for you. I love that way of thinking about it because so many times we don't want to ask mom or dad or grandpa, why did you do that? Or why did you allow that? We just don't ask some of those curiosity questions that will enlighten for us what it was like back then or the why they made the choices they made, but yet could make us so much wiser in making our own choices. Exactly. It gives us back the power to say, you're not just in victim mode all the time. Yes. You actually, from this moment forward, have that opportunity to decide how you're going to respond to things. And for me, it doesn't change what somebody did that maybe was wrong or, or hurtful to me, but it does kind of diffuse it. Right. And it says, I can have empathy because I can kind of see where they came from. I see what they dealt with. It doesn't excuse behavior, but it can just diffuse it and say, I don't have to walk around being constantly hurt and angry. Mm -hmm. Mm Because you know what? Whatever that behavior was, was probably a whole lot more than just me. It, It was more than just directed at me. It comes from their whole history. And so, how about rather than focusing on this resentment or whatever it is towards an individual in your family. How about focusing on these amazing other folks that haven't had as much attention in your family tree and embracing and picking the values that work for you and then putting those into action? Right. That's the key. It's really taking action and making each decision I make a conscious decision towards the life I want to live. Love that. And then not only that, you can find those unsung heroes, like the great-great-grandmother that had 12 or 15 kids and discover her story of, of strength and how she kept the family going and was very strong. And so you can find and celebrate those unsung heroes in your past. And I'm a new grandmother now. But for me, my kids' grandmothers weren't real hands-on. Mm-hmm. But I know the kind of grandma I want to be. And so I've gone digging through my family history and seen some of these women who have, like you said, persevered, had you know, so many children, and they're still beloved at the end of it all, you know, right? <laughs> that their, their kids were still like, wow. And I looked for how did they deal with their kids? They were there for them. They were thinking of others and setting examples and holding people accountable. And I've just tried to look at them and say, I can create the kind of grandma I want to be. Right. So you can say, I really like these features over here. I know how that made me feel. I want to make sure that I'm doing that for my own grandkids. 
And I think that we can learn so much from these people that came before. Right. I know lots of people are excited about this and maybe they're thinking, wow, maybe I should start researching my family history or telling those family stories. What would you tell them? How would somebody take the first steps in finding their family stories? The first step is just to do. (laughs) And sometimes people think, oh, I have to write this whole big book or I have to make this big pedigree chart. The thing to remember is, is I I just heard somebody say this the other day, 100% perfect but not done doesn't help anybody. But that 80% perfect but got it done, that's going to help somebody. Right. And so it's important to not worry about it being perfect or being all the way done or whatever. It's just that you do the doing. And so start talking to your older relatives first. They're the ones we're going to lose first. Make sure you're capturing your own stories as well. It's, you know, starting at home and it's going through your own papers. You start with yourself and you work backwards. It's a little counterintuitive. We think of always moving forward, but you're actually, as you get to somebody who's already deceased, you are looking for their record of their death first and then working their way back to birth. The last thing you do for that person is their birth. And then you just keep moving backward from there. And I would say that after you've captured your initial stories and those interviewed those relatives that are still living, the census, and I'm particularly here in the U.S., the U.S. federal census is just a goldmine to very quickly move back and to feel some satisfaction that you're really making progress. And then you can kind of backfill from there. But again, you're moving back every 10 years through time, finding these family units and, and getting them recorded. And those folks who are still alive can talk about their grandparents, right? The people who may not still be here, but you can still gather stories from them from those folks who are still with you. Exactly. Because as Alex Haley once said, when an old person dies, it's like an entire library burning down. Mm, yeah. And it's so true because yes, they can talk about themselves, their childhood, but really what they have is the memory of not only their parents, their grandparents, they may even remember a great grandparent. And that could be many generations back for you. That's very exciting to get those personal impressions from them. I think you've mentioned I I do the Genealogy Gems podcast, but I also have a podcast, kind of a standalone, it's 46 episodes, and it's called Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. Anybody listening, if you've dabbled with family history before, but you dropped it for a while, or you're just brand new to it, or you just want a refresher, this is like a Genealogy 101 course. It's in iTunes, it's on our website, genealogygems.com, and it's absolutely free. Start with yourself and interviewing people and getting death certificates, and we'll just each episode focus and work you through the process. You can go right along with me and, and do that for free, and there's no reason not to get started. Right, and we'll definitely post a link to that in our show notes so folks can access that. You've written a lot of books on finding newspaper articles about ancestors and also coming into the new age of using mobile devices for genealogy. Mm -hmm. You've recently put something out on Google and you've written an entire book about that. So why did Google warrant an entire book when it comes to genealogy? (laughs) You'll hear people say, oh my gosh, I could just go online and get my genealogy done. Certainly not all family history is online. And uh, that's one of the things that people kind of struggle with is, oh, do I have to just go to an archive? In the old days, you practically had to be retired because it (laughs) took so much time to write and get death certificate mailed to you or to make a trip to an archive. Yes, we can go online now, but the truth is whether 
the data that you're looking for, for your family history research, whether it's online or offline, your search always starts online. There's so much legwork that you can do before you ever invest the time or the effort to go out in person. And and that's exciting. I love hitting the libraries and the archives. Right, but right. then again, why put spend the money and spend your precious time when it turns out that that particular data was available in an online database? Google is just the portal. It's the... It's the place to start to then ferret out what's out there online, even if it's just determining where's the most logical archive to go to that's closest to me, that doesn't cost anything or whatever, you know, your parameters are. Maybe you're going to make a trip and you want to be able to hit local libraries where it is you're going. Google is the place you're going to start to do searches. And it's amazing because every day, more and more and more content is being uploaded. So while it may never all be online, there's a wealth of information and and something really exciting is happening in social media, which is that people are taking those little libraries in their brains and they're going out there and they're sharing them with each other on Facebook and Pinterest and all kinds of places like that. So it's kind of like the crowdsourcing of family history. Right. All of our histories interconnect, right? Exactly. Google can search through Facebook, through all these things. And I encourage a lot of my listeners to blog about their family history because that's a key way to get the word out. And Google is how you're going to find all those individual distant cousins who are blogging that you don't even know. And it's free to start a blog nowadays. You can set up a website for practically nothing. Exactly. And it's for a genealogist, for somebody wanting to do family history, a blog is a perfect vehicle because, like you say, you can start it for free. You are writing the narrative of your story, which is an absolutely important tool in family history research. Because if if you try to write your story, you're going to find where the gaps are. Because sometimes you get really knee-deep and kind of hyper-focused on what you're researching and you get lost. Try to write it out in a narrative and it'll jump out at you (laughs) where you're missing information. And you'll go, oh, okay, that's where I need to go look next. But you're also sharing it with your family. And you are doing what I call Google cousin bait, which is you are getting all those important keywords, names, places, dates out in text form so that Google can find it. And so everybody who's reading my book is going to be using all these search strategies and your blog is going to pop up if it connects with what it is they're looking for and isn't that what we want? We want to be able to connect our trees together. I have never even thought of that. So maybe a second, third, fourth, 20th cousin might also be researching that same ancestor. And if they find it your blog, then you guys can connect. Oh, Is that gosh. Right? I have oh. received so many amazing emails from my listeners with success stories of how, I mean, I know how it's worked for me and that's why I kind of preach it on the show. But People have written me and they'll send me a photograph. You know, this is a photograph from 1880 of a great, 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 great grandmother. And they're like, look what just showed up in my my inbox. And this is because I wrote about this person in my blog and somebody found it and they contacted me and they said, boy, I bet you'd like to have a picture of her. Because if you think about it, our family histories are in each other's attics. Because our ancestors were neighbors and friends. And even if you're not DNA related, you are related in so many other ways. I talk about YouTube is the place to go for video and people think, wait a minute, how could family history be on video? Your ancestor's home is next door to the person's house who's doing the filming outside. And so your grandparents are walking by. 
one gal t- sent me an email and she said, oh my gosh, I was using the search strategies from the book in YouTube and I ended up finding this little town in North Carolina in the early 1950s and my uncle walks down Main Street and waves oh, at the camera because this, this person was just capturing their town. And no, it wasn't about him. But how amazing that for the first time she sees him moving and smiling when she's only seen photographs. It, wow. It's just a whole other world when it comes to family history now. Oh, I love it. So this is the new book. It's called The Genealogist Google Toolbox, second edition. Mm-hmm. And then you also have a giveaway for our audience. If our listeners go to genealogygems.com and they sign up for that newsletter, they'll get a 20-page ebook called Five Fabulous Google Strategies for the Family Historian. So tell us a little bit about that. Exactly. Well, we do the e-newsletter once a week. It comes out on Thursdays. It's a quick read, but there's always how-to information you can start using right away. And I have in there all kinds of stuff to inspire you to do this. But then the ebook they get, it's almost like a cheat sheet version of the book. It's going to have search operators. There are things, little operators that you can use, symbols and techniques that you can use to help Google understand what to do with the keywords that you're putting in the search box. And if you understand how to talk to Google, Google will do such a better job sending you information that you want rather than just millions of results that doesn't save you any time at all because it's it's so time consuming to comb through them. You want much higher quality results and fewer of them. And that's what the the ebook will give you. So that'll just jumpstart you right away and getting started with Google. I'm excited. I think I'm going to go out right now and Google some of my family and see what else we can do. My sister is the genealogy person of our family, but I'm the one that tells the stories. So I think we're going to have to get together and do some more. Well, that's a great partnership because all the people out there who are currently rabid about genealogy, as so many people are across the country, their biggest challenge is how are they going to make sure that what they've collected gets preserved and becomes a legacy for future generations. And the only way to really do that is through storytelling. Not everybody wants to comb through documents and data and that kind of thing, but everybody likes a well-told story. And I think that Cultivating your storytelling muscles is a key way to ensure that your family history that you've worked so hard on is going to to last and really benefit the future generations. Because if it's benefiting us today, it's going to benefit our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids who have their own journeys to follow. And they might want to comb through that family history and find some values and some ideas that they want to pursue themselves. Absolutely. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing your insight. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Stacey. It's been a pleasure. Wow. Great information from Lisa Louise Cook and Genealogy Gems. Now we've come to the part of our show where we open up the Life Story Toolkit and share some information on one particular tool that you might consider using if you're writing or would like to start writing about your life. The Life Story Toolkit is sponsored by LifeStorytelling.com, where you can find your life theme, discover where to start writing, and craft your life into a compelling story. This episode's Life Story Toolkit features Scrivener. Scrivener is a powerful content generation tool for writers that allows you to concentrate on composing and structuring long and difficult documents. While it gives you complete control of the formatting, its focus is on helping you get to the end of that awkward first draft. Writing a memoir, 
research paper, a script, or any long-form text involves more than hammering away at the keys until you're done. You might have to collect research, order fragmented ideas, or shuffle index cards in search of that elusive structure. Most writing software is fired up only after much of that hard work is over, but Scrivener is different. It's a word processor and a project management tool that stays with you from that first unformed idea all the way through to the final draft. Outline and structure your ideas, take notes, view research alongside your writing, and compose the constituent pieces of your text. Scrivener won't tell you how to write, it just makes all the tools you have scattered around your desktop available in one application. They have versions for Mac and Windows, and it's a one-time fee of $35 to $45, depending on the type of license. I love that it's not an ongoing cost. Now, it's not at Scrivener.com. That's a different website. You have to go to LitertureAndLatte.com. I guess Scrivener was already taken. So it's LitertureAndLatte.com. And of course, links will be in our show notes. Well, guess what? That's all we have for today. I'd like to thank Lisa Louise Cook for sharing her love for family history stories with us. Show notes, a free download, and all the links mentioned today are at writeofyourlife.com slash Lisa Louise Cook. And that's Cook with an E on the end. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone who has an interesting story to tell or who enjoys listening to interesting stories. We'd love your comments, so head over to writeofyourlife.com and tell us what you think. To be notified of future episodes, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your app of choice. Of course, we're also on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a great conversation. My handle is Right of Your Life. This story is put together by consulting producer Nick Jaworski at podcastmonster.com and myself, Stacy Curtis. We hope that today you have the right of your life.